Welcome to the Dinner Party Download. This is your icebreaker. Why did the lobster not want to share its food? Because it's shellfish. I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. And from American Public Media, this is the Dinner Party Download, the show that helps you win your next dinner party. Our icebreaker this week came from David Gedge, leader of Britpop Stalwarts, The Wedding Present, one of my favorites. And whose song we stole for our small talk theme. Uh, please don't tell everybody in America <laughs> that we did that. Coming up, rap savants, das races, budget counterfeiters, blowing up Ripple Rock, anchovies, not-so-secret vegan Alicia Silverstone, and gay human bones. <laughs> we'll leave that to your imagination. But first, time for small talk. So, Rico, the big story this week, if you looked at the news, optimism broke out across America. It was really weird. It was. We, we got a nuclear reduction treaty. The That's dollar great. is up against the euro. That's great because I'm going to Europe in the summer. Awesome. Baseball season has begun, which they don't have over in Europe. And even the Republicans are going to bondage clubs. It must be spring. Bullock single. I it's mean, a nice, it's a nice time for America. <laughs> now, to find stories with a little more edge, we decided to reach out to our colleagues in Marketplace. Stacy Bennett-Smith, senior reporter, what story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, there's a developer in China who's going to build a Times Square. Like, like the New York Times Square? Yeah, at the far west uh, part of Beijing. It's going to have Broadway theaters, a cultural district, residential areas, hotels. They are replicating Times Square in China. Can't they find uh, a beloved landmark of their own to deface with giant digital billboards that nobody wants to see? <laughs> New York has so many more beautiful things. This is like looking at somebody and saying, you have a beautiful face. I would like to reproduce the wart. Brett Neely, reporter for Marketplace. What's your story this week? My story this week is about this rancher in Nevada who wants to plant three million what he calls God's miracle trees. They're going to make pomegranate juice out of these things? If only, if only. It's a Chinese import called the Kiri tree. I think that they're not miracle trees. I think they're nightmare trees. These things apparently grow like 20 to 50 feet a year. And then if you if you chop them down, they just grow back out of the stump again. Oh, my God. It's like a zombie tree forest. In the desert. Jeremy Hobson, New York reporter. What story are you going to be talking about this weekend? Well, Rika, you know how most of the time uh, when people counterfeit bills, they're big bills like 20s, 50s, 100s? Uh, yeah, from my counterfeiting days, I remember that well. Exactly. Well, now it appears... <laughs> People are counterfeiting ones. There was a bar in Alaska that found 13 fake $1 bills in a tip jar. And if that isn't a recession-era story, I don't know what is. No one's going to believe we have $20 bills. Let's just make ones. Yeah, well, the other thing is some of these dollar bills were just printed out of a printer. They were just blank on one side. <laughs> Obviously, quality is suffering in this recession. And now, time for cocktails. Once again, we tell you something that happened in history, then give you a fitting drink to serve along with it. It's like history is a speeding car hydroplaning on a thin layer of booze. <laughs> sounds like just... we can get in trouble for even just saying that. But that's not technically drunk driving. Okay. First, the history. This week back in 1958, a waterway about 150 miles from Vancouver was ground zero for an unusual moment in Canadian history. Now, if you're a Canuck, is that how you pronounce that? If you're a Canuck, you may they know... They don't care. <laughs> you may know what we're talking about. Uh, Michelle Philippi is here to tell the rest of the world the story. Things in Canada are pretty mellow, including gigantic explosions. The story starts dramatically with an underwater mountain called Ripple Rock. 
It sat smack in the middle of a shipping route, and its peak was just nine feet below the surface. It caused more than a hundred shipwrecks and about as many deaths. Sailors called it the most deadly stretch of water in North America. Clearly, Ripple Rock had to be blown up. Two problems, though. It's kind of tough to put explosives on an underwater mountain surrounded by crazy currents and whirlpools. And once you do, it's hard to make the explosives actually detonate. Finally, engineers hatched a plan. They dig a tunnel down into a nearby island, then dig horizontally over to Ripple Rock, then dig up into the mountain, and plant the explosives inside. A lot of explosives enough to make it the biggest non-nuclear peacetime explosion in history. For Canucks, it was the event of the century. Canadian TV broadcast live from the scene. Residents in a three-mile radius were evacuated. Rumors abounded the blast might set off an earthquake. And at 9.31 a.m. Pacific time, off went the top of Ripple Rock. The results? Well, sailors were happy. The explosion left Ripple Rock 40 feet shorter, and boats now pass safely. For folks expecting hell on Earth, it was a letdown. Debris from the blast didn't get much farther than the shore. Locals didn't hear or feel a thing. And the only injuries were a few bug-eyed snapper. So that was the history lesson. Now it's time for the booze. I'm on the line with Jay Jones. He is the head bartender at the Poor House in Vancouver. Jay, you heard the history lesson. What cocktail does that inspire you to make? I wanted something that had a pretty good kick to it because this is a pretty significant amount of explosives. Okay. That thought reminded me of the, the French 75, which is a classic cocktail from 100 years ago named after a piece of uh, French artillery. Okay, so this, so your cocktail is based on the 75? Well, uh, starting with the basic format of the French 75, which is um, gin or cognac, and then uh, lemon to freshen, and uh, maybe a touch of bitters, but topped with champagne. All right, so what, what made its way in there? I think something that provides a bigger kick is bourbon whiskey. Okay. About an ounce and a half of that, and it'll give us a good, solid foundation. I have to say, I'm glad we're not actually using Ripple, which is, you know, yeah, poor you know man's what? wine. That would have been too easy, and uh, it would have been really disgusting. <laughs> all right, we'll keep going. We're going to tone that with a little bit of Fernet Branca Amaro. A uh, quarter ounce is all you need. Is that the Fernet that sometimes people drink straight? Absolutely. It's a great uh, has great digestive qualities. And then uh, just a little hair of sugar syrup. Okay. Um, and then to that, um, just fresh lemon juice. And we're going to throw that on a lot of ice, and we're going to strain that off into a champagne coupe, a nice wide mouth, low-style champagne glass. And that's going to fill the glass about halfway, and mm-hmm. then we're going to top up the rest of it with some champagne. I like it. And so what, what do you want to call it? Uh, how about a detonator cocktail? <laughs> I think it's got a, that it's got works. A, I think it might be a good idea to garnish it with two or three floating dead anchovies. You figure? Anchovies? <laughs> Post-explosion, and it works with the lemon. <laughs> you know, actually, Brendan, we should note that very few fish died in the Ripple Rock explosion. Oh, thank, thank goodness. Because Canadians, ever polite, scheduled the explosion in April, which is when the salmon are away. Isn't that, that is, nice of them? That's so kind of them. Yeah. But, you know, I still want to keep the anchovies in the cocktail, if that's okay with you. Because, you know, right. it occurred to me that there are no fish drinks, you know? What? Like, there's, like, there's cocktails with some bacon in it, but there's no fish drinks, and fish actually live in liquid. All right, that's... <laughs> 
So like, why an, why aren't there more like sardine drinks? That's something? an insane argument, but I do agree that there should be more fish drinks. Fish be, bacon, maybe. Be, well, kind of because they're both salty. Anchovies are salty, and salting cocktails is awesome. You know what, dear listeners? If you have a cocktail that includes fish, that's right. They please, should send it to us. Send it to us. You can go to our website, get the recipe for the detonator. It's at dinnerpartydownload.com. Our guest of honor this week is Victor Vasquez of the rap trio Das Racist. Last summer, their single Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell became an internet phenomenon. They've got a new mixtape out. It's called Shut Up, Dude. And Victor, welcome. Hey, what's up? Not a whole lot. Cool. <laughs> and and what, what is up is good. All right. So a little bit of stuff is up. And it's all pretty good? Yeah. I would say that okay. I'm feeling positive about the few up things. Cool. All right. Now, for those who haven't heard Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell, it, we actually, we should just play it. I'm at the Pizza Hut. What? I'm at the Taco Bell. What? I'm at the Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. I'm at the Pizza Hut. What? I'm at the Taco Bell. I'm at the Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell. And it's basically that for like four more minutes, <laughs> which made a lot of people, I think, think of your band as a, like a joke band. And really, your lyrics for most of your songs are very complex. Do you regret <laughs> leading with this single? We weren't thinking about it in terms of anyone listening to it. Uh, actually, that line came from another song that was had a bunch of more lines in it. <laughs> and we were playing uh, a show and uh, we didn't have enough songs at that point. So we just said that line over and over again. People seem to like it, so we recorded it. And then, you know, it went like uh, viral or whatever. And then we're like, oh, okay. All right, well, let's hear something a little more representative. Why are we at the candy store for? Why are we at the Mandy Moore tour? Band du jour or the brand du jour or the land before time, the wartime. Andy Warhol, the war crime. Nancy Drew, Nancy who? Nancy Reagan in a fancy pantsuit. Dancing bear in cahoots with the man who shot ya. Who shot you? Who shot you? Who shot you? You love to mash together all these disparate cultural references in your lyrics. Do you always have a connection in mind between all this stuff, or is this like a rap Rorschach where you just want to see what connections I will make? It kind of goes song to song. I think there's songs that kind of are more about something, quote-unquote, and stuff that's uh, less about stuff. <laughs> uh, and we try to keep the intent, like, ambiguous, I guess. And you really do. I mean, it can be maddening. <laughs> like, I was driving to work today, and I hear the lyric, that's offensive, Ted offensive. And it immediately uh, makes me go like, yeah, that's what's offensive, man, war. But then five <laughs> seconds later, you're talking about, you know, White Castle. And I'm like, is that just me? Did I just bring that to the song? Or is he really angry about war? Well, I mean, like, who, yeah, who's not? But it's also like you might be at the White Castle, too. So, I mean, the Internet in general is just a collection of links. Do you think of your songs as sort of like collections of links? Like it's the first hypertext lyricist? I don't think it's the first by any stretch. I think most rap lyrics really are that dense. Maybe it's just the fact that Pizza Hut Taco Bell put us on a, a couple of like media outlets that a lot of people that wouldn't have been listening to like deep Wu-Tang album cuts are now hearing rap like this and their minds are blown when it's really like not that big a deal. <laughs> so what you're saying is your music isn't that big a deal. Yeah, <laughs> but buy it. <laughs> Definitely do that. It's definitely that it's big enough a deal that I should get some money. This is true. <laughs> All right, we asked two questions of everyone on the show. The first is if we meet you at a party, what questions shouldn't we ask you? Uh um Ooh, ah. hmm. best answer we've ever had. <laughs> 
Depends on who's asking and why, maybe. <laughs> All right, our second question, as always, is tell us something we don't know. About anything? Anything. You know, if you roll up a newspaper, you could bop someone really hard in the head. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's really hard. You roll it up, you could use it as like a verifiable weapon. Now, are we talking about a, a New York Times Sunday edition or just like no, any no, day? No, just like a small newspaper, like a tra- auto trader magazine or whatever. You could. <laughs> Did, were, were you bopped upon the head with a, an auto trader? Oh, I've, I've never, no, I've never been bopped with an auto trader, no. Well, then how do you know this? I've, I've just, I've, you know, I'm not going to delve too deep into this, man. <laughs> that guy's awesome. But, you know, he points out another unintended consequence of the death of newspapers. Really? There's there's no iPhone app for bopping. There's no bop app. You know what I mean? Actually, there is. It's called an iPad. <laughs> All right. There, but there's no app. It's for, perfect size for bopping. <laughs> there's no app for lining hamster cages. iPad's great for that. You know, you have a point there. Steve Jobs is a genius. Once again. He thinks of everything. Proof positive. <laughs> uh, although he did not think of Facebook. Where you can meet us and visit us. Facebook.com slash dinner party download. So we've heard from our guest of honor, and now it's time for the main course, the part of the show where we talk about food. So, Rico, you know the actress uh, Alicia Silverstone? I do indeed. Uh, Clueless, many, many Aerosmith videos. I know. At, at one point there in the 90s, she was on TV constantly because she was the Aerosmith girl. That's right, for like four years. Each song, each one of those songs, I think, lasted four years, by the way. <laughs> They're four-year-long songs. Well, she's grown up, and she has a new book out that um, is basically a Trojan horse for the great vegan conspiracy that we've all been witnessing. <laughs> the to. vegan conspiracy. <laughs> it's happening, man. Somehow that doesn't seem very... Very scary. And it doesn't seem delicious, does it? No. <laughs> but actually, oh, I, I'm man. being mean. Let's just, so her new book proves otherwise. She's got a new lifestyle guide, a.k.a. vegan cookbook. Right. And it's called The Kind Diet. It's on the New York Times bestseller list. It's wow. been there for like 13 weeks. And recently, I tied myself to the mast, and I asked her to give me her best argument for becoming a vegan. I don't really want to argue with anyone. I do want to offer people incredible information that will change their lives and blow their minds. <laughs> in in my book, I think I kind of present the case for each thing that we are accustomed to eating so that you can understand the effects it will have on your body and the effects that it has on the planet mm-hmm. and the effects it has on other creatures. And so you can kind of take from it whichever argument, or you, if you want to call it an argument, moves you the most. Um, I find most people are moved by the fact that they can have incredible health. I feel like some people are afraid when they think about becoming a vegetarian or a vegan, they're like, I'm going to put people out. This is going to make other people uncomfortable. Well, it, it's like, I really don't think it has to work that way. In the beginning... Yes, it was a little bit of a, I, I mean, I was alone in it. I was incredibly passionate. And I would run around going, ah, do you know about this? And ah, do you know about that? Did you lose friends at that time? I don't know, but I definitely didn't make a lot. And so that's what was happening. But then I started to realize if uncle feels bad because I don't want to eat meat, that's his stuff. And believe me, people have a lot of stuff. Like I've been to a dinner party where I'm sitting at the dinner and I have not opened my mouth. And everyone around me will start debating with each other and me about what I do. That's funny. And no one's even asked me a question yet. They're just telling me why they can't be vegan and why they can't this. I believe it's their own truth working on them. Honestly, I'm a relatively healthy, I'm a considerate, progressive person, and I, I read your book and it's very convincing, but in my heart, I, I think I know I'm never going to be vegan, and I think now I think there's something wrong with me. <laughs> and why? Do you, what's the thing in your heart that says you think you will never? Like I, I like the idea of options, 
And I also yes. am such a social person that I'm ingratiating. And I really, like, I'll visit my family in Europe, and they're going to give me some fish, and I'm going to eat it. So is my yeah. soul trapped? Well, no, I think you, did you read the whole book? Yeah. And so did you feel moved to make some different choices? I do feel like the whole grain argument I'm definitely going to be incorporating more of. And I think what I found surprising was I was pretty moved by the animal part of it. Yeah, so maybe you'll just eat fish and not eat chicken, pigs, and cows. Yeah, but then I had spaghetti carbonara last night. Now, why did you do that? (laughs) Because the health care bill was passed, and I figured, what the hell? No pre-existing conditions are going to stop me anymore from having health (laughs) care. So your progressiveness isn't that progressive yet. I'm still working you're not on it. Wi- you're not willing to actually make any committed changes to your life. I think you could say I'm a work in progressiveness. You're perfect. <laughs> That's perfect. So, Rico, Alicia's book is aimed at young women. Right. Uh, but interestingly, she told me that her website is frequented by a lot of guys. Really? Yeah. That is weird and surprising. I mean, not really. Not really. American men are known for trawling the web looking for vegan forums. And that's the Dinner Party download for this week. Keep up with us between shows on Twitter. We are Dinner Party DNLD. We leave you, as always, with One for the Road, a song to play on your way to or departing from this weekend's dinner party. The band is called Harlem, and the song is called Gay Human Bones. That's why we said that earlier. That's right. You have a one-track mind. Bon appetit.
I'm Rico Galliano. I'm Brendan Francis Noonan. Oh, I didn't realize you were in the market for a car. Ow! I'm not.